Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We're moving on from Hell HaKadosh, we're moving into the heart of the Amidah, the 13 middle bless- blessings of asking Hashem for stuff. The fancy English word is petition. So we stand before, uh, we imagine ourselves standing before a monarch. The first thing we do is we we uh, uh, acknowledge the monarch's power uh, and our place in the scheme of things. And the first three brachot, avot, givurot, and kedusha. And now the heart of the weekday of Amidah are the petitions asking for things. There were, there were originally 12 brachot, and then one was added, and they became 13. Of the 13, what we will see is the final one is just kind of a general all-purpose summary one, non-specific shomat filah. So then we have 12, and possibly by design, probably by design, those 12 sort of naturally fall into two groups of six. The uh, first six are a little bit more, I'm going to call them individual focused. And the second six are a little bit more communal focused, even though that is not rigid, hard and fast. And even the individual focused ones are phrased in the plural. Okay. And of the first six, which are a little bit individual focused, we have, we also naturally have two groups of three and I'm going to call the first group mental, spiritual, psychological, and the second group, physical. Um, and again, these are distinctions that we are imposing, I guess I am imposing, but I, I didn't make it up, on these brachot. Um, and, but I think they largely make sense. So we're going to talk about net, what we're going to, all, all this by way of intro is say, we're not going to talk about the next bracha, we're going to talk about the next three brachot as a group and how they fit together. Each one of them has its own meaning and sense and whatever, um, but they're a group of three. And we can call them, this group, I will call them uh, mental, spiritual, mental, spiritual, psychological, something like that. So I am on page 38 in the hardcover book and... 110 in the soft cover, the sim. 38 in the slim, 110 in the sim. Uh, page 38, it starts at the top of the page. On page 110, it's right but, but near uh, near the top of the page after Baruch HaTashem HaKadosh. So this, uh, and and um, these three brachot, again, in, in um, rabbinic literature, there's a shorthand way of referring to all of them. So the first one is called Da'at, the second one is called uh, Teshuvah, and the third one is called Slicha. Da'at, Teshuvah, and Salicha. We can pronounce them with Ashkenazi uh, accentuation. Okay? Everyone see where we are? So here we go. Atachonin ladam da'at. You, talking to God, graciously give humans da'at which we'll pause for a moment on translating that. And you teach humanity or humans, bina. we'll come back to that word. 
So chonenu is related to that first word chonen. It means to give something graciously, to give something generously or graciously. It's not something earned, but something that's gifted. Okay. So you graciously give humans da'at and teach them bina. Graciously give us from you da'a bina v'haskel. So da'at is like da'a, the first thing we said. Bina is the second thing we said. And then haskel is a new third thing. Baruch Hashem chonein hada'at. Right? We acknowledge you, God, who graciously gives da'at. Now, I do want to say we're now about to get in the weeds on the intricacies of what the difference is between Deya, Binava, Haskel. I just want to point out, lest we embrace that too much, that this is just our Nusach, and um, Sephardim have Chochma, Bina, Vada'at, rather than Deya, Binava, Haskel. So we're going to try to make up a whole story about the differences among Deya, Binava, Haskel. Um, and I just want people to remember these terms are not from Sinai, and we're going to try to understand what they mean, uh, but they have differences of nuance, and then there are other phrasings of the bracha, which has just a different set of three. Okay, deya or da'at is usually understood to mean what we in English would call knowledge, and generally in rabbinic Hebrew, it implies knowledge of stuff, okay? Pretty much corresponds to what we would call knowledge, like, you know, if you know what the distance is from the earth to the moon, it's a number. If you know it, you know it. If you don't know it, you don't know it. There's a thing which you can know or not know. This seems to be different from the word, from a way that we commonly think of this root in Hebrew in the Bible. Because in the Bible, particularly in the Chumash, Lada'at is frequently used to mean intimate knowledge or experience of sometimes sexual, right, between a man and a wife, uh, uh, between a man and a woman, um, sometimes between a human and God, but it seems to be intimate knowledge, which is very different than whether or not you know the distance from the earth to the moon, okay? But da'at in um, rabbinic Hebrew seems in general not to mean that kind of intimate knowledge and experience like in the Chumash, but more like, more similar to knowing the distance from the earth to the moon. What we would call in English knowledge, pretty simply. How to know something or how to do something, right? Same way as if you say, like, you know, I, uh, someone tells you something and you say, no, I didn't know that. It just means in a very relatively simplistic, concrete kind of way, there's some movie came out that you knew that, and I didn't know that that movie came out. Maybe I'm oversimplifying. So knowledge, that's dot. Bina is generally understood to be something like understanding or discernment, sometimes intelligence, okay? So rather than um, a storehouse of information kind of thing, which is dot, Bina is a little bit more about procedural knowledge, how to do things, how to understand things. Um, Lahavin means to understand rather than to know. So we might say knowledge, understanding. And again, we could have a long conversation. We might. 
But if I said to you, like, explain to someone from Mars or in another language, you know, what the difference is between knowledge and understanding, you would, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd fumble around, but you'd come up with an answer, some version of an answer, right? So Bina is more like understanding. It's sometimes translated as intelligence. It's sometimes translated as discernment. Okay. Haskell, and we're sort of splitting hairs here. Um, Haskell in the Bible usually means to be able to use knowledge in a way that makes you successful. Okay. Applied knowledge in a way that you can be successful. In rabbinic Hebrew, it seems to mean something also like discernment or wisdom. Okay. So I'm going to try, I'm going to chat, I'm going to translate Deabinavaskel as knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. That's not entirely perfect. That's pretty approximate, but it's not bad. And then we summarize it all as you graciously give us dot. The close it so that so the notice the closing is not Hashem Khonain Deabinavaskel. It's just Da'at. So somehow Da'at, knowing, is the overarching category, right? We're praying for God for, let's just call it, I, I think in English we call it wisdom, okay? And in the bracha, the, um, the author enumerates three subtypes, dea, bina, v'haskel, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, Although I understand, I am aware that our Sidur says knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. Okay? And again, I think these are all sort of approximations. Um, and, and notice, by the way, what our translator wanted to do. Because in Hebrew, we have da'at in the beginning and, and da'at at the end. And in the middle, we have de'ah. And it's easy for us to say da'at and de'ah are the same thing. Our translator thought, well, if Dad and they are exactly the same thing, why don't they, why do they have different words? They're not exactly, they're obviously from the same root. They're not the same word. So that's why our translator decided that Da'at should be translated intelligence, which I'm not sure is actually um, an accurate translation, right? So this is a bracha for knowledge, wisdom, intelligence, right? Um by the way, there's nothing here that is learning. So we have lots of things in the Siddur about learning Torah and study Torah. And the word that's always used for that quite clearly is lil mode. Okay. So there's no suggestion explicitly in this bracha that any of these things have to do with Torah study. This is not a bracha about Torah study because Torah study is something we do. It's not something that God gives us, meaning when we say we should study, we say we should study. We don't say God give us studiousness, usually, right? So this is God give us knowledge, wisdom, and intelligence. I just changed it again. By the way, Chochmah, Bina, and Da'at, the Sephardi version, which is based on the... Um, maybe based on some of the Svirot, the attributes of God in Kabbalah, and the acronym of that. What's the acronym of Chochmah, Bina, and Da'at? Toss-up question. Chabad. Chabad, and that's why Chabad is called Chabad. 
Chabad is called two things. They're Lubavitch, based on the town where the founder was from, the way most Hasidic dynasties are known as, right? Um, but they they refer to themselves also as Chabad Chochma Bina Vada'at, having to do with mystical understandings of these uh, three Sfirot. So Chochma Bina Vada'at, if we had the Sephardi version, the Mizrahi version, means something like wisdom, discernment, and intelligence. I don't really know how to translate them. Okay, I'm going to pause. Any thoughts on this bracha? So before we start out, for asking God for anything, I, I need I need money, I need health, I need we need to be gathered to Israel, we need good political leadership, we need salvation, all these things we're going to ask for. We first start out saying, Hashem, we're asking you to be in some, we're asking we're asking that we can be in some kind of relationship with you, so as we'll get to Teshuvah and Slicha. And it seems that step one in this relationship is Dea Bina Vahaskel. It's Da'at. Actually, I think I don't want to ask for your interpretation. I think I want to go on a little bit and put them together, and then we can backtrack. Let's let's try to do a helicopter view first before we get in the weeds. Hashivainu Avinu Toratecha, return us our parent to your Torah, Vikorvenu Malkenu Laavodatecha, and bring us close, O sovereign, to your service, which means to us serving you. So here we have parallel is Torah and Avoda, right? And um I'd like to point out that it doesn't say when we say return us God to your Torah, again, this does not say Torah, this is not about learning. Doesn't have the word lil mode or lil made. So returning to Torah doesn't seem to mean on the surface of it. Help me have time for Torah study because I forgot to study Torah yesterday. So return me to my Torah study routine. On the surface of it, that doesn't seem to be what Torah means here. It doesn't mean a book. It's something parallel to avodah, according to the author. Service. So it probably means Torah in the bigger, broader sense of living Torah, following the instruction. Remember, Torah means instruction, right? So something like, return us, Hashem, to your instruction guidance, and bring us close. It could have said mitzvot, perhaps. It it could have, yes, and it doesn't, right? And uh, bring us back to service of you. V'hachsirenu b'tshuvash le'malafanecha. And bring us back in full, complete tshuva. Baruch Hashem, Hashem harotzeh b'tshuva. Hashem who um, who desires or favors or is is satisfied with, is happy with tshuva, accepts tshuva. So this is an. I just want to point out it's an interesting bracha because normally we say tshuva is something that's a hundred percent up to us. That's what we talk about as part of the 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 anthropotheology, um, that's a word, I made a word up, of the high holidays, tshuva is something that we do. Here we're saying, Hashem, in our petitionary prayers, give us tshuva, as it were. Bring us close. So we're actually asking God to participate in tshuva. This is different than tshuva is totally up to me. Okay, 
So first we ask God for wisdom, intelligence, knowledge, whatever. Then we say, God, bring us back to your Torah and Avodah, Torah and service, complete tshuva, because we know in the closing that you want tshuva, right? You're going to accept us. You're going to like this tshuva. Third blessing, forgive us, Hashem, because we forgive us, our parent, for we have sinned. Forgive us, our sovereign, for we have sinned. We can split hairs about chatanu and fashanu. We could say chatanu means inadvertent sins, and pashanu means intentional rebellious sins. That wouldn't be too bad of a distinction. Notice we have avinu and malkenu as um, parallel to each other in the second bracha here and the third bracha. Yeah, point that out. Right, so forgive us. Now, that would make sense to come after tshuva, right? Because I did tshuva, and then I hope to be forgiven. So help us do tshuva, and then forgive us. For you are forgiving and forgiving. Notice, this sort of closes out this group of three, because we started with okay, gracious. So maybe that mark, maybe this is uh, uh, when you put a parenthesis literarily in a text, the fancy schmancy term for that is inclusio. It means you use a keyword at the beginning and a keyword at the end. And this means that this is a start and finish in an era before punctuations and paragraphs. So, for example, we have Breshit bara Elohim Ed HaShamayim Ve'ed HaAretz, verse one of the Bible, and then verse Chapter 2, verse 4a is, Ele toldot hashamayim v'ha'aretz v'hibar'am. This is the story of creation of earth and heavens when they were created. That marks that, that's a big, shamayim v'ha'aretz marks it as a beginning of an end. Here's the creation story, the first creation story in Breshi. So when you use a literary term at the beginning and the end, that's very often used in biblical and ancient literature to mark a unit. So I do want to argue that these are a unit of three and that the um, the author has marked that by using that same root as Hanun being gracious. So Baruch HaTashem, Hanun, merciful one, Hamarbe Uisloach, who is abundantly forgiving. Marbe, like the word Harbe or Rav, greatly forgiving. So we're saying, I'm just going to sort of, you know, at least a superficial understanding of the sequence of three. This is not brain surgery. Okay, it's like, okay, God, give us wisdom and discernment to understand, understand what, understand my actions, understand what I'm doing. Okay, once I have that understanding, then that will naturally lead me to do tshuva, of course, right? Because if I have understanding, then I will realize what I'm what I'm doing that's good and what I'm doing that's not good and needs to be changed. So I think implied in this is that's going to lead me to do tshuva. Number three, and please forgive us when we do tshuva, okay? So I think on the surface of it, the paragraph doesn't, number one, doesn't mean, I don't think the sages meant for it to mean, help me do well on my math test today. Although technically that would fall under that bracha. And we know from later on in the page the, the Rifainu prayer, and we know from elsewhere, it, it says in the Talmud, 
that if you have any individual requests, you are supposed to put them in for Hashem under the paragraph where it would naturally fit. And if you have something that doesn't naturally fit anywhere or um, or you forget, then you can add it in Shomeyat Filah, the last of the petitionary blessings, which is a catch-all. So in theory, if I were praying to do well on my math test, I would put it in this bracha. Sometimes uh, when I'm having challenges figuring out how to approach someone, particularly someone who is very close to me, who I'm having trouble with in the relationship, I will put it in this bracha. I'm thinking about like how to talk to one of my young adult children about something that they're prickly about and that we've argued about, but I kind of want to be able to talk to them about it. And I'm thinking, as we all do, any parent thinks like, how do I approach that? What's the right moment? How am I going to say it so it doesn't turn into a blow up in my face, right? So if I have a, a problem that I'm, uh, I'm thinking about, I, I will put it in that bracha, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll ask God for discernment and wisdom in that. You know, I, I don't have math tests anymore, so I'm, I'm not likely to add for that, ask for that. But if I had, if I was worried about my math test, that's where I, and I, I, that's where I would put it in, in that bracha. Okay. All right. The floor is open, gentle ladies and gentlemen. Question, comment, thought, how does it resonate with you? Any of that stuff. Larry H. Just very briefly, because you mentioned that the Shmet Filah, you called it a general catch-all, is at the end. So I think that there's some people might think, logically, if you're approaching someone and requesting, you're, you know, a leader, God, whatever, the first thing you would say after the introductions are, okay, would you hear me out? But we don't do that. We put that at the very end, yeah. <clears throat> after we've already done that, which kind of assumes that that we're being heard out. And instead we put forth a fairly, I think, modest, humble request that I hope that what I'm doing from now on, all these other brachot, are going to be filled with the wisdom that I'm asking from you. So I see that as being a very modest, humble way to approach the entire remainder of the petitions. And, and a good, uh, you're saying, a, a good lead-in, a good lead-in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the opposite of what I think most people would do um, in most circumstances, and maybe, in fact, we should follow that in our daily lives as well. Yeah, we should we should start out by saying, um, um, I hope I'm getting this right, rather than start out by saying, listen to me. Right. <laughs> okay. um, by the way, um, I, I, I should have maybe prefaced all of this. I'll, I'll just say one thing and then come back to what, people's reactions. Um, like, why is there a list of things? Why do we have 13 brachot? So our assumption is the purpose of the middle section of the weekday Amidah is for us to commune with God and ask for our needs. The sages, the group mind that organized the Amidah, and this is very early because the Mishnah talks about, you know, the number of blessings. Um, and the Mishnah talks about the sage who arranged the blessings. What this means is that Hazal said, okay, instead of just saying you can ask God for anything in the middle and then concluding Baruch HaTashem Shomeyat right? We could have just had one bracha as the middle bracha. Ask for what you want 
and then conclude, Baruch Hashem But we're actually going to give people ideas. We're going to cue people by give them, giving them a whole bunch of categories to think about. Making a living, good rulership, needing to do repentance, healing, illness and healing. We're going to have a whole list of things to cue folks to ask for specifics. And this then, I'm going to say, gives us the opportunity to meditate on those specifics. So for example, the example that I just gave a personal one, when I'm thinking about how to, you know, grant me the discernment and wisdom to figure out how to talk about this difficult thing with a family member. Um, if it just, if the instructions were just ask for anything you want and then say, Baruch HaTashem Shomayatfilah, that's the whole middle part of the Amida. I'm not sure I would think about that. Okay. I think the fact that there are categories gets us to cue it, right? So every morning when I say Rafa'inu, I say my whole Misha Beirach list. If the instructions were just ask for anything you want in the middle, one bracha, and conclude Baruch Hashem Shomatila, I'm not sure I would remember that. Okay. So when I add my Misha Beirach list every morning, then I'm actually thinking of each, I'm not rattling off the list. I'm actually trying to think about each one of those individuals in need of healing and focus on them for at least a moment, at least once a day. And if I didn't do that, I might not focus on them at all, not even once a day, right? So I think the purpose of the enumeration is the sages who arrange these brachot said, okay, we want to prompt folks to think about their needs as they approach Hashem, and we're going to give them what we think is a pretty good schematized list that's going to cover most stuff, okay? And here's the beginning of our schematized list. Da'at, teshuva, and slicha. Okay, I should have said that before. Thank you, Larry, for your comment. Other comments, thoughts, either on the three or any of the specifics, or you can argue with me about Deya Binava Haskel and tell me it means three entirely different things, and that's fine with me. So I'm just giving Avi? my preliminary view on things. Alan? Yeah, um, two things. Um, first, with respect to chuva, uh, when you talked about, you know, asking for chuva, I think that it can be appropriate because there's chuva for your relationship between Adam the Makom between ourselves and God and Ben Adam the Chavero between us and our fellow human beings. So I think that it does make sense that you may be asking for knowledge, wisdom, and sin, and then asking God to forgive you for the sins or for the transgressions or whatever you wish to say vis-a-vis God. And then later on, it may come in more into play with the human beings as well. Got it. Okay, good. But I want to point out still doing tshuva, even when it has to do with mitzvot between me and God, I'm the one who has to do the tshuva. I'm the one who has to initiate the... Sorry. Classically on high holidays, we talk about I'm the one who needs to take account of things and initiate the reconciliation, and then God can be reconciled with me. So I just want to point out here still the quirk. We're asking God to help us do our part. That's all I'm pointing out. Uh, Okay. Thank God. I know I have to do tshuva. I'm, I'm not asking for forgiveness. I'm not having the chutzpah to ask for forgiveness 
before I do tshuva. This is not Christian unearned grace. I know I have to do something, but Hashem, I'm asking you to help me. Okay. Uh, so I'm Got just saying it. that it's a, it's a little bit different then it's it's not just a statement of I should do tshuva, I want to do tshuva, I am contemplating my sins and I am doing tshuva. We have lots of other expressions of that. Avinu malkenu chatanu lefanecha. That's what we say in avinu malkenu. We don't say avinu malkenu, please help us sort this out. It's like we start out saying chatanu lefanecha. And here it, we start out saying hashivenu, you bring us back. So it's just... And it should be contemplated. Alan, second right. thing. Yeah. So the second point, and this is something that uh, uh, I've heard, I, I learned the best distinction between knowledge and wisdom. So, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Okay. I love it. <laughs> Good one. Got it. I got it. Right. Thank you. Yes. All right. Other thoughts about this three. By the way, those are so those things are so weird. Like, you know, why is it a fruit? And I had to think for a moment. We had watermelon last night after dessert. After we said Birkat Hamazon, we had like dessert an hour later. And I had to think of like, what is the bracha? Yeah, it's Bore Prihatama because it grows on the ground, which intuitively doesn't feel like it makes sense because we we tend to class it as a fruit, not a vegetable. All those things are complicated. By the way, there's a whole argument about blueberries. I'm not going to get into it. And uh-huh. apparently the blueberry growers in Israel are angry at the rabbis of Israel who have decided that blueberries are a tree fruit and not a, that it's Borei Priya Etz and not Borei Priya Adama. You can Google it and read about it online. But it creates, oh, that's fascinating. It creates an wow. It creates an economic problem for the blueberry growers in Israel. Yes, other thoughts about these three. I do not want to discuss that anymore. Avi, what did you say the third one was in Hebrew? I know that you said... Slicha. Slicha. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. So in English, we would call it knowledge, repentance, and forgiveness in, you know, sort of the simple English translations of these. Right. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if anyone has a sax door in front of them. Maybe a sax currency door might actually have English titles for each paragraph. I'm not sure. Um, I didn't look, but, you know, I would call these knowledge uh, or what you can call it wisdom, wisdom, repentance, forgiveness. Slicha. Yes. Larry. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll look at the sax in a moment. Quick question, which I'm, you might have answered. I might have missed it when I was transitioning from coming outside to inside. On the Slachlanu prayer, many of us beat our breasts on Chatanu Pashanu. Yeah. yeah, so you, you didn't miss it. I didn't say it right. So there is a minhag, it is not halacha, it is minhag, that when you say Chatanu and Pashanu, you hit your your chest just as you would an Ashanu, right? Slachlanu avinu ki Chatanu, Mechalanu malkenu ki Fashanu. To two hits. As far as I know, that is the minhag. Right. And um, that's the minhag. It's a, it's a common minhag. Uh, not everyone does it. I never studied the source of the minhag. Do Sephardim do it? You know, I don't know the answer to that sort of thing. Yeah. It's a little mini Ashamnu Bagadnu Gazalnu. Yeah. By the way, um, Sephardim expanded uh, uh, Tachnu and Sephardim say Ashamnu every day. 
just so you know, as part of their talk mode. Mm. Yeah. Other thoughts about the three? <laughs> the three blessings or any of the specifics in them? How does, it, how does it work for you when you guys are davening this up until now? How has this worked for you? What do you think about? The floor is open. Meyer? Um, I deeply appreciate it, particularly when it comes to the, the first one. It's, yeah. you know, knowing, knowing that I have the capacity be, to be able to think rationally. But then a Haskalah is also awareness, right? So we want to become, uh, it's, it's uh, intelligence, it's wisdom, and it's awareness, I think, a little bit also, and, uh, which helps us Good. sort of face ourselves and everything that comes afterwards. Yeah. Um, and that's nice, actually, because um, I, I like awareness. I hadn't thought of that before. Part of why I like that is that part, I think part of the challenge for all of us um, people is how to not sleepwalk. It's really easy to sleepwalk through life, go on autopilot. I get up. I got to do this. I got to eat. I got to go work again. I got to pay the bills. Um, and, uh, you know, all of this stuff that we get from uh, 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 our lingo nowadays uh, very often is from um, uh, Buddhism, you know, radical uh, uh, awareness and that sort of thing. Um, so actually thinking to say, Hashem, help me be aware is actually a very good way to launch. Right? Again, as Larry is saying, as an intro. So Meyer, thank you. I never thought of that word, but I like that word. Because generally, by the way, awareness is, you know, I've seen lots of translations for Chochmah bin Avadad or Dea bin Avahaskel. I've actually never seen awareness as a translation for any of them. Um, uh, so that's nice. I like that. Thanks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meditate on that. I'm going to pray on it, as they say. <laughs> but, but, but part of what I'm talking about it is we're supposed to, these brachot, we're actually supposed to be praying on it. That's the purpose of these brachot, right? These brachot are get you to contemplate, I, I guess I'll say, like, what are my needs in the area of uh, uh, illness and health that I'm asking God for? That one is kind of an easier one because it's a little bit more concrete, okay? Whereas knowledge, discernment, awareness, understanding is somewhat less concrete. It's a lot more abstract. So it's harder to poke yourself to think, what do I need to ask God for in this area of life? Okay. Other thoughts? No, we don't have to. Okay. I, mean, I did check, I checked Sachs. It's got exactly what you what you described. What, what does he say? What does he call them? You're, you, you muted yourself. Wow. Yeah, he's got, you know, as you know, he's got titles. So it goes Da'at, Shuva, and Slicha. Oh, in Hebrew, but he doesn't give English titles. Oh, sorry. I, I never look at that. He's got knowledge, repentance, and forgiveness. Yeah. So those would be, without like deep analysis, those would be the simplest, limited one word translation of all three of those knowledge forgiveness, knowledge, repentance, or penitence, and forgiveness. Okay. Um, other thoughts? Like can I offer a, uh, a distinction between Please. knowledge, wisdom, and intelligence, perhaps? Please, Michael. Maybe intended. Knowledge, as, as you had said, was to possess physical facts. Intelligence might be the ability to discern those facts. And wisdom would be 
that when faced with uh, multiple uh, possibilities to make the, in some sense, the best choice as to which is correct. Good. Um, Michael, remind me, are you a lawyer? I, I used to be. I'm retired. You were trained as a lawyer, correct? Yes. That's, correct. So that, that's, that would be kind of a good, uh, um, you know, lawyerly approach to it. It's sort of like, you, you know, you, you sort of learn what the law is. Then there's a case and you got to have to, you know, understand how things apply and what applies. And then you actually have to figure out, like, what would be a successful way of marshalling all that and and using it? That's not exactly what you said. I changed what you said. But no, um, something like that. Okay. Good. Other thoughts? <laughs> all right. I'm going to say it's uh, 10 to 9. And let's knock off for today. Um, and I, I, I just want to give everyone sort of a, a you know, we, we just, it's classes just to teach the Sidur, but... Um, just to give folks a personal challenge, my suggestion is, um, you know, why don't you spend the next week when you can giving a few extra moments of thought in these three brachot to see how they land, how they resonate for you, and uh, what it helps you deepen in your um, petitions to ask for Hashem's help. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.